5 and verse number 1. And uh, man, I hope you can see this stuff. I hope that I can be able to share it and to say it the right way. The Bible, first of all, in that one verse says, and. And when it puts this together, we've not left the throne room from last week. <clears throat> I hope that it, as you've gone through this week, you've not left the throne room. And that you've been there and you've been praying. But this verse tells us that it goes with chapter 4. It's not a stopping in between 4 and 5. This is what's going on. And look at what it says. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Look at what John says, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty-four, or excuse me, four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them hearts and golden vials full of odors or incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us by, uh, to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And look at these last four verses. And I beheld... And I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne, and many beasts, and the, el or, and the beasts, and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all are in them, Heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty-four elders, four, excuse me, four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Let I me mean, look at this scripture. <clears throat> going backwards a little bit, not much, but going backwards just a small bit. I want you to think about that throne room that we were in last Sunday morning. I want you to think just for a moment of the throne room that we were at. And looking at that throne room, understanding that all the stuff we saw, we saw God, John saw him as the spirit that he is. He couldn't see him in body because what? He's a spirit. God's a spirit and those that worship him, you've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. But the Bible says that when he saw him, he looked as though he was like a jasper or a sardine stone, or a sardine stone, or a sardius stone. He said he looked as though he was firm and hard as jasper, but also as, as fire, and as judgment, and as pure, and holy indignation, righteous indignation, that he looked as though he was a flaming fire that was not consumed. It says that John said that he saw around the throne, not only just at the throne with that 
emerald rainbow that was shining behind him that was full encompassed as a circle. He said, not only did I see all of those things, but I saw these four living creatures. Uh, we talked about that on Sunday night, and we talked about it on Wednesday night. We really went through cherubim and seraphim on Wednesday night and talked about angels in the Bible and, and understanding these things and that they're not these little uh, fat, naked, baby-looking creatures that are come around during Valentine's that everybody thinks about that, no, they were guards. They were guardians of God's house and His tabernacle and His work. And they were also the ones that held up. If you remember, if you were here this past Wednesday night, me and Patty would join arms like those cherubim that are on top of that Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat. And they would join arms together doing what? Hoisting up God. He said that He would meet them. But where? Between the mercy seat and those angels. Amen. And He would hover. And it's the throne room. And it's God setting upon His own throne. And the angels' throne. And the angels of God are the ones that are attending the throne and holding up God and they're bringing glory to him all the time last Sunday we talked about that they're there day and night and not as if if day and night exist in heaven we understand that it doesn't the Bible tells us later about heaven and talks about the new heaven and new earth but he's trying to help us to understand things that we would understand with our minds attached here on this earth and so he said always constantly they're saying holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They were saying that you are worthy, God Almighty, in chapter 4, because you have created all things, and all things are created and consist because of you. And so these angels and the 24 elders that are there, that are representation of all the Old Testament saints and all the New Testament saints together, they're not angels. They are not, I mean, excuse me, they are not human, and they're not men and women, uh, I'm, they're not angels, but they are the saints of all time. Twelve representing the apostles. Twelve representing what? The tribes of Israel and the Old Testament. And they're there saying what? That you're worthy. They get up out of their thrones and they take off their crowns and they lay them down at the feet of Jesus. And they're, they're worshiping him over and over. So you have those four beasts or four living creatures, angels. You have those uh, 24 elders, 12 and 12 represented there. But there's one person we didn't talk about last Sunday. There's one person that we talk about all the time that was not in chapter 4 that we don't really talk about. I mean, we don't talk about him in chapter 4. Other than the fact of understanding that we know that the voice said, come up hither, and it was the first voice which I heard, and it sounded like a trumpet. We knowing it being the voice of God calling us up, the voice of Jesus calling us up all together. We didn't talk about Jesus last week. We all left here last Sunday, and people think, man, we're excited about the throne room, we're excited about Jesus, but we didn't, we didn't see him there. And so John is now looking through heaven and he turns around, Brother Lonnie, and he looks at verse number one and he sees that God's got something. The first thing you see on your study notes is that he's got a sealed scroll. He has a sealed up scroll that's there. And if you look at it, verse one tells us that he saw that it was in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. That sealed scroll was in the right hand of the one that was sitting upon the throne of God. And what was, what was it talking about in that scripture? Look at verse number 1. He says, I saw in, in, uh, in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, and it says, sealed with seven seals. And just staying in that scripture and looking in that, you'll understand that he's, a, he's, he's all, all, he's the king of kings, he's the great God of all gods, and he's sitting upon the throne. But the Bible says that when John looks, that he sees that it looks like that in the right hand, on the right side of him, in the right hand of the one that sits on the throne, there is this scroll, there is this book. 
Now, I know a lot of people, they love to uh, study the Bible. And there's a lot of people that like to debate the Bible. They like to go in and go try to find things that are there. Maybe sometimes people want to aggravate you about stuff that may be something different and stuff. People argue about this. They go, Brother Steve, they didn't have scrolls during the time that all of these things were written. Or excuse me, they didn't have books at the time that all of these things were written. It had to be scrolls. My Bible says scroll. My Bible says book. And my Bible says this. Well, understand this. The actual word in the Greek is biblion. It's not Bible itself, but it does mean book, the word Bible. This is talking about Holy Bible. It's talking about these are the holy books, that there are many books that are throughout this. But the Greek word means biblion, and all that it means in the Greek is just that there is a writing that is given. Don't get caught up if it was rolled up in a scroll, if it was put together and folded in a book. It was a writing that God had in his right hand. And because it was in his right hand, it means that it was something that had authority with it. It meant that there was something that had power connected to what was in his right hand. Now, some people go, well, Brother C, what do you think was inside of that scroll? Well, I think what was inside of that scroll is found in chapter 6 all the way through chapters number 18 in the book of Revelation. I don't think it was other some kind of mystery that was hidden. I think that was already given to us by Paul that kept, uh, showed us that we were not in darkness but we were in light and the mystery was what the age of the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ that would be coming and to be preached to all the people some people say well brother Steve do you think it was something that was just uh, God's whole eternal plan I don't think that because looking at the scriptures chapter 1 he says I'm going to show you things that are or that is right or that was he said these things are the things that did happen and he said in chapters 2 and 3 of revelation he said these are the things that are happening right now but in chapter 4 he said listen you come up hither so that i could do what so that i can speak unto you the things which will be hereafter so this scroll has to do with something of god some kind of writing of god that has writing on the outside it has writing on the inside and it says that it is sealed up in a perfect seal of seven seals. And don't let it terrify you, but looking at that, it says being sealed with those seven seals. Later on in the scriptures, we'll see that it is the seven spirits of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And what he's saying is, is what's in the right hand of the Father is sealed through the Holy Spirit of God of promise. The Holy Spirit of God has always been an activator of what? Sealing us. The Holy Spirit of God is what sealed your salvation according to the book of Ephesians chapters number 1 uh, uh, and all the way into chapter number 2 that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You were sealed by the Spirit of promise. You were giving as an earnest of your salvation what? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. So this book is sealed up and people say, well, what would it be inside there? And we're going to get to all those things. It's God's judgment. God's judgment is wrapped up. And I want you to notice one thing before we go on. It says that it's wrote, Brother Heath, on the inside and the backside. In other words, what it's saying is that it's a complete plan of God. God has a complete plan when it talks about this. Look at verse number 2. It says, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? To open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy. The Bible says that the second thing we see is that automatically, as John is in heaven, they are, they're all rejoicing. 
They're all praising God, Brother Charlie. They're all glorifying God. Remember, we just left chapter 4, and they were going, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And now we move, and John is scanning heaven. And he's looking around, and all of a sudden, something catches John's eye as the 24 elders are bowing down, worshiping God, as the four living angelic beings are worshiping God and giving glory to his name. All of a sudden, John looks and says, he's got a book in his hand. He's got a scroll in his hand. He has something that's written in his hand that's on the inside and on the outside. And it's a book that's sealed up that nobody can look upon. That nobody could go over there and take that book. So now all of a sudden, there's this situation that has arisen in heaven. And it's actually a strong situation that has come up. And if you look at that verse, you'll see that the Bible says in verse number 2 that he saw a strong angel. This angel was different, Jacob, than all the other angels. This angel was something different about him. To, in other words, to bring him out. Some people say it could have been Gabriel, it could have been Michael, it could have been an archangel, it could have been one of the living creatures, it could have been this or that, whatever. We don't know that, but we know that it was a strong messenger of God stood up in the middle of heaven. And the Bible says that he proclaimed with a loud voice. He said, is anybody here worthy to open the book and to loose the seals of this scroll? No, he didn't do that. Go with us to the throne room. Don't worry about Cracker Bell. That will suffice for itself after church. Go with us to the throne room. There are living creatures, angels. There are 24 elders, all of heaven. They are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the midst of all of that, John sees God the Father holding a book. And they're going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of a sudden, an angel steps out of all of them and declares with a strong voice. He said, there is a situation going on in heaven. He says, who is worthy to open this book of all of heaven? All of a sudden, can you hear it? <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Listen, church. That sea that's reflecting, the crystal sea that's reflecting the image of God. Brother Butch, do you know what it is like to sit on the side of a lake and to holler out your name and it hits that lake and it bounces and it goes and it goes and that voice and the sound waves go across that lake and it's just so loud? <clears throat> Have you ever been on a 4th of July to Gunnersville, Alabama and been on the lake? And ever been up there to where you can hear them down in town. And where we're at, it's almost like a valley channel that comes up through there. You can hear that boom go off up there. And then it sounds like F-16s coming through the valley. Like roaring down through there. Because of that. Think about what heaven's like. Heaven's not like this carpeted church. It's not like the quiet saints that are in here this morning. It's not like that at all. It is like being in a gymnasium with... 5,000 second graders. Noise everywhere. Everything's going on. And all of a sudden, this one's saying, holy, holy, holy. This one's saying, holy, holy, holy. Who was and is and is to come. And I don't know if they're all doing an all course together. And then all of a sudden, the PE teacher comes into the gym and goes, hey. <laughs> and all of the heaven and all of that place gets quiet. And he says, who is worthy? Think about it. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Look at verse number 3. The Bible says, And no man in heaven, nor, nor in earth, 
neither under the earth was able to open the book nor to look thereon. The Bible says that the question came out, who's worthy? The second thing is that their search began. Can you hear as that angel says that, Brother David? Picture it in your mind. Who is worthy? Now here's John that's writing down and dictating everything that God told him. He said, write everything you can in a book. And John's trying to write it as best as he can. Listen, no, he's not working for the Daily News or the Daily Bugle, but he's trying his best to pin down what he is seeing. You get a, a chance to be there, and you're trying to write it all down, and John's trying his best to write it all down. And can you see them, Brother Andrew, scanning through heaven? Nobody in heaven. There was no living creature worthy. There was no elder that cast down their crowns worthy to open this book. Not even to go over there, Brother Adam, to look on it. Not even to see the things that are there. There was no one found. There was no, listen, Moses wasn't worthy. Neither was Paul. Abraham, they didn't say, Abraham, you come and open this. He wasn't worthy. And neither was Timothy. There was nobody in heaven found. And then the search went from heaven. And all of a sudden, evidently, the voice of this angel had carried the search all the way down, not only in heaven, but even in earth. There was no one in earth. There was no names being brought up that, that maybe Billy Graham could have opened it up. Or maybe Adam Jefferson could have opened it up. Or maybe Amy could have opened it up. There was no one found on the earth that could open it up. And then the Bible even carries this search even down to a further place called Hades or Sheol. There was no legend that had been buried. There was no prince or king that was buried. There was no president, no prime minister. You know what? There was no preacher or a priest or even a pope that could open up this book. There was no one that was found, look, the words were worthy. Nobody, nobody. Not only that, there was no devil in hell. There was no demon in hell. There was no one. There was no rich man in hell that could open up this book. And John's capturing all of this, church. And don't, don't miss it this morning. He's capturing all of it. And look at what he says in verse number 3. He says, And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And look at verse number 4. The Bible says that the search caused something to happen in John. John began to be sad. And he says, And I wept much. John said, This got to me. This broke me. Because why? Why do you think that this would have bothered John so much? In my opinion, I look at it because John is there to write down all the things of God. And he has just entered into a throne room and seen all of this stuff. And Brother Craig, he's writing this stuff down and going, Man, they're not gonna, they're not gonna understand this. But that one looks like the head of a lion. You know, that one's got the head of a calf. You know, they, they got six wings and he's writing it all down. And then all of a sudden, here comes this important part that God the Father has a book in his hand. And it has seals on it, seven perfectly sealed seals around this. And it, he's saying it's got writing outside and it's got writing on the inside. And he's like, man, and we're fixing to hear from God. It's though you can hear him going, we're fixing to hear from God the Father. And, and my whole life, John's like, my whole life I've spent... You know, 92 years wanting to hear God. 92 years trying to hear the voice of God in my prayer time. 92 years. Look, I've served him. I've seen his son. Did all of these things. John's ready, and all of a sudden, they're searching, and nobody's worthy. No one's worthy, and John begins to cry. Not only because, look, he's ready to write this stuff down, but second of all, I believe it's because of this. John's not worthy. 
John realizes in the throne room once again, John has been called all the way up to heaven. John has had a special treatment with God that Paul had. He said, I know a man a few years ago that was called up into the third heaven, talking about being in the wonderful hand in the presence of God. He said, whether it was in the body, I know not, or out of the body. He said, I don't know. He said, but all I know is that he was there. Now here's John taken from his earthly place. Listen, let me say something to you. We talk about this a lot of times about grandmothers, grandfathers, and all these things. And if they were to pass away, how that they wouldn't want to come back here. Let me tell you something. That's where John's at. John has left this robe of flesh, and he'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting pride and shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. John is in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he's caught up in heaven, and he's not thought anything in being in the throne room about all that fleshly stuff. Listen, they've received a crown of righteousness. They've laid it down at the feet of the throne, all this stuff. And now John, once again, is reminded that he, as a man, is not worthy. Humanity carries all the way up into heaven's courtroom and into heaven's throne room. It does. It carries all the way up, all the way to that place. You say, Brother Steve, I don't know if it could do that. I, the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 21, there'd be no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no death. All of these things, Brother Steve, humanity can't be carried all the way up there. I'm going to tell you something. You'll learn that the representation of humanity is there in the throne room of God. And we're going to see it in just a little bit. Listen, there was a strong situation. And John began to weep. And he said, nobody's worthy. And listen, you think about it. Is it all going to just stop here? Is it all just going to end here? The Bible says this second thing, number, number three, or this third thing, number three, he says it's settled. The Bible says when all of that stuff's going on, think about it. Worthy, worthy, worthy. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and he's worthy of praise. An angel says, who is worthy to open the book? You know, with a loud voice. Nobody's worthy in heaven and earth and down even under the earth. Nobody. And John's over there weeping, and all of a sudden, Brother Anthony had the Bible says one of those 24 elders, one of the elders came and put his arm around John. And he says this in verse number 5. And it says, and one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. He said, John, don't weep. He said, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. I don't want you to think about this for a moment. Humanity is not carried all the way to heaven. But here we have what? An elder that is one of the believers from Old Testament or New Testament that has come and said, John, do not weep. And he reminds him of something that is all earthly. The line of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah was tied to earth. The root of David, the seed of David, tied to earth. Do you know what he did? Brother Craig, he went over there to a troubled believer. He went to a troubled believer who was troubled in his heart. Because why? Because no one was found worthy. And this elder went over there one more time to remind John of the word of God. He reminded him of the word of God. He didn't say, hey, look there. He didn't do that. He said, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. You remember? The one you've studied about your whole life. 
The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Listen, they understood that in the Old Testament, they were looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah. They wore the patches of the lion. They wore that stone that represented that concrete Judah and wonderful kingly uh, kinghood and tribe, king tribe that would come out. And he was saying, he will prevail. And all we've ever heard in the Old Testament is that the lion of the tribe of Judah will prevail. He will come. He will come. And he will prevail. The root of David will come. He will come. He will come. But look at what this elder told John. He said, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. He reminded him that the word of God has been fulfilled. You know what? When you're standing by a hospital bed or you're standing by a casket or you're standing in an altar or kneeling in an altar with someone or outside these church doors out here and someone's broken hearted and someone's down and out and they're a believer in God, there aren't words we can say. We try our best to comfort them. We try our best to console them. But really the only words that will comfort a true believer is found in between these books. It's found in here. And people go, Brother Steve, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I'm, gonna have, I'm having a bad day or Brother Steve, I'm having a bad week or I'm having a bad month. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're not going to find solace. You're not going to find peace. You're not going to find comfort in the things of the world. You can go and buy all the best sellers and best help books and power within yourself and how to be a better you and how you can overcome co- uh, painful situations and how to resolve conflict. But you as a believer need to understand your comfort comes in between the words of this book. And that elder, the only thing that he knew to say to John, who was a what? Fellow believer was, remember the word of God. Man, I don't know about y'all, but that's good to me. He says, remember the word of God. You know, I, you look at me and you think, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how I feel. Listen, are you really that naive to think that I don't understand the feelings if the Bible says Jesus our high priest understood the feelings of our infirmities do you think that someone as fallible and as horrible and as just fleshly as me that I can't understand it I understand it all I understand what it's like to be a teenager Rusty you don't understand what it's like to be a teenager and have all your friends and if you come to Christ they're all going to make fun of you I was 17 18 years old Thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. Thought I was popular. Thought I was the toughest person around. Thought all this stuff about me. But when the Holy Spirit of God touched my heart and turned the water works on, I didn't care anymore. But I know what it's like to stay at home on a Friday and Saturday night after you've been out your whole life. I know what it's like for people to laugh at you when they carry your Bible around. I know what it's like for people to look at you funny when all you can answer them with is Scripture. I know what it's like. But you say, Real Steve, how do you overcome that? Through the Word of God that tells me to be not ashamed. Through the Word of God that tells me that, listen, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Through the Word of God that tells me that I should be honoring the name of Christ over and over and over. And that if I do that, blessed are you when people shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for his name's sake. Are you paying attention? This is not playtime. This is church time. This is worship time. And listen, church, he's telling us over and over and over. We comfort one another with the word of God. And then I ask you as a Christian, have you read your Bible? And the majority of the people answer me this. No. Have you prayed? No. 
Mr. Chief, I'm going through a problem. Have you prayed? No, but will you pray for me? If you're a believer, you like to pray. Brother Steve, I don't know what we're going to do. And you've waited till the problem comes. And you go, I don't know what we're going to do. And I go, have you read your Bible? You've been a Christian for three years, four years, five years. Have you read any of the scriptures? No. What are you doing? Church, what are we doing if we're not reading the scriptures? There's going to come a time where you're going to find yourself without any comfort, without any peace or solace. And you're going to say, what do we need to do? I'm going to go, you got to call those scriptures out at that moment. If you don't put them in, you can't call them out. Church, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to heaven <clears throat> on the fact of how many people I get them to read their Bible. John, when I stand before God, he's not going to say, uh, Brother Steve, it looks like you only got 100 people to read the Bible, so therefore you can't go in. No, I'm, I'm going to heaven just like all of you. I'm going to heaven on the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, Brother Steve, then why are you always telling us and harping on us about reading the Bible and praying? Because if you're not communicating with him, then how do you know what you need to do? got to have a communication with the Lord. That elder came and said, don't weep, Johnny. Don't weep. He said, because the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. The root of David hath prevailed. So the Bible gives us this wonderful next picture. I'm going to close in a minute. This next picture. All of a sudden, John begins to scan heaven again. The angel said, who is worthy? Nobody was found worthy. John's weeping. Elder says, don't weep, for the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Listen, I'm going to give you this second, th- or this third thing, whatever it is, number. It's a numbered thing. And then I'm going to close. I'm not going to get the other ones. I'm going to come back later and do that. But I want you to hear this. I want you to look at verse number six. All of a sudden, somebody comes on the scene. The Bible says, John is scanning heaven. John is scanning. He's looking, Miss Marcel. Can you picture it? What did the man tell him, the elder tell him? The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. What is he talking about? He's talking about a singular person. He's talking about a singular man. He is, because that's who they knew was coming. So, Brother David, I don't know how you feel about heaven and what you would do, but if an elder came and said, a line of a tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed, then I would start looking all through heaven for that line. Man, I'd start looking all through. Man, I would look around those four uh, living creatures. I would look around the the 24 elders that are there, the the angels that are there, the throne of God, and I would look, and John's looking for a line. He's looking for someone. As he said, who is worthy? He's looking for someone to come out and go, Roar, I am. He's looking for a lion. Lions don't go, meow. They don't do that. No, whenever a lion wants you to know his authority, his presence, and his power, he roars out, amen. And so John starts to look for this huge lion, this this great ruler of authority, this victor. And the word prevailed talks about in the Greek, it is a word that's used as a victor has attained his crown. As one that has come in and not just been given something and handed something in his life, but it's one that has come in and has overcame a war or a battle, and he is a victor. Amen? Not a victim. John's scanning, looking for the light. And the Bible says, John said, and I beheld. When I turned around looking for 
this life, I beheld, lo, in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the four living creatures, and in the midst of all of those elders, stood a lamb. John was looking for a lion. But what was standing in heaven was a lamb. Listen, if you're looking for God in your life, and you don't know him, you're looking for this miraculous sign and this loud noise and this screaming, roaring line or this thundering, lightning kind of experience in order for you to come to Jesus. Understand that when John looked for that in heaven, he turned and saw a lamb. A lamb that is what? Quiet, meek, and gentle. But look at the words that are described or ascribed to Jesus Christ. It says that he saw a lamb. It says standing. Stood a lamb as what? As it had been slain. You said, Brother Steve, humanity will not be represented in heaven. The Bible says that he stood as he had been slain. That represents all of humanity. If you are looking for a greater representation than just 24 elders that are in the throne room, then you look at this lamb and understand that the word says that he stood as a lamb. In the Greek, the word means histami. The word is histami. You know what it means? It means that it had once been laying flat and dead, lifeless. But histami, that it means it's standing again. You remember when Jesus was in the tomb? The Bible says that <clears throat> whenever he was placed in the tomb, we know all the story that three days later he rose from the grave. But maybe what you don't know is that on that third morning, the Bible says that the women of God got up early and they started out to go and do what? To put spices on the body. Because they didn't want the body of Jesus as it, they thought would decay to stink and to smell. So they did, just like always, and they were going to put spices on the body of Jesus. But the Bible says that when they got there, that, or as they were going, Brother Bryant says that they were talking among themselves, as some women do. And they said, who's going to roll the stone away for us? They were worried about the stone being rolled away. The Bible says when they got there, that the stone was already rolled away. The Bible says that when they looked in, that they saw angels dressed in white. One was at the head and one was at the foot. Well, isn't that a kawinky ding? <laughs> that Ark of the Covenant that had one at one end and one at the other, one at the head and one at the feet, looking at the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant on the lid, is represented there in the tomb now. And listen, they're looking. The Bible says they were looking down at the place where Jesus lay. They turned around and told them, oh, he's not here, he is risen. But the Bible says that Mary Magdalene stayed. This woman evidently had some sinful things about her life in such a sinful way. She loved. In a way that the Bible says when much is forgiven, then much love is returned. This woman stayed at the tomb. And as she stayed there, she's wanting to know where the Lord is. Think about it. Wanting to know where his body is. The Bible says that a person appeared and began to ask her questions. The man said, you know, why are you weeping? She turns around. She supposed that this person was a gardener. And she turns around and she says, if you've taken my Lord, please tell me where you've 
that you've laid. I'll take care of him. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. If I could just, just if, if you take him, just let me know. And the Bible says it was Jesus. And that Jesus said unto her, Mary. And that when he said that, Brother Mitch, she turned and said, Rabboni. Which is to say, my great master. She called him everything. She called him, when she said Rabboni, she called him Rabbi, Rabbon, and Rabbis. All in one word. She called him everything that she knew in one word. She said, in other words, what she said, church, was not just my great master. She turned and said, my, my everything, my all in all. The Bible says when she turned, she saw Jesus standing. And in the book of John, when it says standing, it's the same word, histami, in the Greek. And what it means is that he had marks on his body, Brother Heath, marks upon him that everything that she looked at says he should be dead, but he's standing up again. That he still, Brother Bo, had the same marks from the crown, the ribbon side, the hands, the feet, and that he still should be dead, but his stamy, that he is standing again. That's what John saw in heaven. John looked for a lion. He looked for this thunderous thing. This wonderful creation. But when he turned, he saw Jesus. And he saw him as a lamb. Standing. That had been slain. Do you know the word in the Greek for slain? It talks about, it gives this impression that it was a lamb that had its throat cut. That it looked, Miss Jennifer, like it should be dead. But there he is. There he is. Church, as they sang about earlier, we, we didn't see him go up. I didn't see him go in the tomb. I didn't see him on the cross. But someday I'll see him. And this is the way we're going to see him. When we get to heaven and John, we bow down and we worship. It's going to be because the one that's standing in the midst of everything. Did you notice that it said that? In the midst of the throne, in the midst of the four living creatures, in the middle of the 24 elders. He is right in the stinking middle of everything in the throne. Brother Mitch, we're going to know. We're going to know. He is the victor because he bears the marks. He bears the marks. Man, I remember back in the 80s when the Rocky movies were out. Go ahead, Andrew. When the Rocky movies were out, you remember the Rocky movies? Every, everybody that was short thought they could whoop the whole world. You know, he, he made you feel like, man, you could do anything. You know what I mean? He, even, even if you couldn't talk right. He couldn't talk right. Man, you're just like, man, I could just do anything. And people would go to the gym and put their Walkmans on back then. and They'd work out. And they'd be, you know, working out to eye the tiger. Every football team in all of the world that had cats or lions or panthers came on the field to eye the tiger, all this stuff. Thought they were so bad. And, you know, we'd come out. <coughs> you know, and all this. And you thought, man, I could do anything. You remember Rocky would get beat up? The whole movies were about what? He'd try to beat somebody, they'd beat the tar out of him, and then he'd recover and come back and whoop them. You know what I mean? It got to where at the end of it all, you're like, he's going to win. He's got to win. I mean, it's Rocky. You know, it's Rocco. He's got to win. You look at this guy. The, the Russian just beat the tar out of him. His eyes blacked. His, his sockets are caved in, you know. He's got brain damage in Rocky Five because of it. You know, there was no mistaking. There's no mistaking when he comes out on the scene. You know who that guy is. 
You know what I mean? Whenever he come out and he had his shorts on and he was ready, that little short little guy, the Italian stallion, you know, the master of disaster, all of that, he come out there and you just knew that it was him. I know that's a crazy illustration. I know that doesn't stir us up a whole lot, you know, but as a boy growing up, man, I was, that's what I did. All of his movies, any movie Sylvester Stallone was in, I, that's what I did. Sylvester Stallone, man, I, I would put those glasses that were like silver glasses, you know, that were like big, looked like big bug guys and stuff. And I'd walk around with a match in my mouth because I thought I was Sylvester Stallone. I thought I was tough. I thought if I had the glasses and the look that everybody would think that I was him. I did that with Elvis too. I can't pull that off anymore. Rocky bore the marks of a victor. Always. Jesus Christ, when we get to heaven, we are forever going to be reminded of Calvary. You ain't going to get away from it. You know, I've had people tell me before, I'm tired of hearing the message of the cross and about being saved, saved, saved. Tell me to my face, I'm tired of hearing that. It's always about Jesus dying for you, all that. I know that. I'm tired of hearing that. In all of eternity, message of the cross is going to be there because what they did to him sister Shirley at Calvary is going to be represented in his body as a standing lamb that used to be slain last Sunday we heard this crowd of angels and elders doing what holy 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. You know why they were praising him? They were praising God the Father, Brother Reggie, and they said, for thou hast created. Thou art worthy, for thou hast created. That's what they said. This week, thou art worthy, for thou wast slain. You're worthy because he was slain. Anthony will never get away from the fact that when we get there, he did all of that for us. He bears the marks of my redemption. Father, we love you.